Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Well, thank you for welcoming me here to this very sacred space on Palm Sunday. It's one of my favorite places to be during the year. It's that Sunday where our children and our grown-ups invite us to worship together and sing Hosanna. It's truly, it's truly a sacred space. We're also here this Sunday because it's Orphan Sunday. And we have the opportunity to think about how God might send us out to be a sacred space for the vulnerable children and families in our community. I love that God called me to show up here this Holy Week, and it is very, very different from where I was, where I was last year, Holy Week 2022. For the first time in my six decades last year, I did not show up at church on Resurrection Sunday. Instead, I was in the aisles of Walmart. And it was possibly the most sacred space I'd ever been in on a Resurrection Sunday. Maybe I better unpack that a little bit before you all head out to Walmart or Pastor Don asked me to leave. <laughs> in 2017, uh, our son, we have three daughters and a son, our son uh, decided just to turn his back on everything that we hold sacred in our lives, family, work, being part of a community, uh, God, and he turned his back and made a lot of really bad choices, headed out west to California, got to the Pacific Ocean, found out that wasn't where he was going to find what he was looking for, began heading back east, and for a long time we didn't know where he was. And one day he texted us, it's worth it to pay for your adult kids' cell phone for a while sometimes, texted us and said, I'm I want you to know I'm okay, I'm in Las Vegas, living on the streets, but I'm fine, this is what I want. We were heartbroken. This was not the life we dreamed of for our only son. We knew God had created him for more than this. We knew that there was a different plan and purpose in his life. We were just heartbroken that this is what he chose. And, and we would pray, and, and we would try to figure out what to do, and we'd pray, and we'd try to figure out what to do, and God reminded us. Uh, something we learned in family therapy was that we needed to keep relationship as our highest priority. And so after a while, we decided to fly to Las Vegas. We rented a white minivan, and my husband and I thought, where would he be? Well, maybe we could start around the Las Vegas Rescue Mission area. We'd heard a lot of street people live there. So drove the white minivan, started driving around, rolled down the windows, and we were yelling out the window, Dizzy! Does anyone know Dizzy? Dizzy! Anyone seen Dizzy? Dizzy was our son's street name. And we did this for a couple hours, and my cell phone rang. And I looked, and it was an unknown Las Vegas number, 
and I was kind of hopeful. I answered, and it was, Mom, is that you and Dad driving around in that white minivan yelling for Dizzy? <laughs> yeah, that was us. And about 10 minutes later, we met our son in a parking lot. We spent some time with him that weekend. And we, we let him know we love you. No matter what you choose to do, we are going to love you. We're going to show up for you. If you want to change your circumstances, change how you're living your life, we, we're here to support you in that. And he said, no, this is where I want to be. And we flew home, brokenhearted, continued to pray for about four years. Every six, nine months or so, we'd show up. We did not get a white minivan again. That was really obvious. <laughs> we kind of knew where he would be. We'd meet with him. We'd say, we love you. No matter what happens, we're going to show up for you. If you want to change your life, we'll be here for you. And he would say no. We'd be more heartbroken. We'd pray some more. And in early 2022, our son called us. Actually, he texted. He never calls. He texted and said, my girlfriend and I, were ready. We're done. We want to turn away from street living. We, we want to live a different life. Will you help us? Yes. And so on Holy Week, we showed up in our SUV and picked up them, their two dogs, the stuff they'd collected on the streets for five years, and we drove them to a small town in Nebraska. Helped them find an extended stay place to live, and, and they both, they weren't ready to turn back to God yet. They're, they're still not. You can keep praying for them. But they were ready to make that next step of getting jobs and, and becoming more integrated into society and living their lives with purpose. And so that's why we showed up at Walmart and we were walking the aisles and putting clean underwear and interview shirts and soap and laundry detergent and dog food into our carts. I looked across the aisle at my husband at one point and I could tell, I could see it in his eyes, we both felt like we were in the most sacred space we could be in. Seeing our son with clear eyes, talking about the future with hope, moving forward, we were so thankful that we got to be part of God's plan for our son's life that day. Holy Week 2022 and Holy Week 2023 look really different for me. This time I'm here in this sacred space at Timberline Windsor with you. And and as I was thinking about what we would talk about this Sunday morning, with it being Orphan Sunday and Palm Sunday, that, that time when we, we celebrate and we pause and we ponder about how Jesus showed up for us. We praise him like we did this morning. We, we ponder the enormity of our sin and the sin in our lost world. We've seen it so clearly these last few weeks. We ponder Jesus' salvation. But we also on Orphan Sunday ponder how we are called to show up in our community and serve the most vulnerable children and families around us. How, how do we talk about those two spaces? And as I was reading scripture and praying, God showed me the scripture in Mark 
which happens this week, Holy Week, the Monday and Tuesday after Palm Sunday. Open your Bibles with me to Mark 11, starting with verse 12. Mark 11, verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say, wow, what does that have to do? Jesus, what are you doing to this poor fig tree? Let's keep going. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When Jesus came, Jesus and his disciples went out the city. And in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. So we're here on this Monday after Palm Sunday, and Jesus steps into the temple. The temple, this is the most sacred space in all of Israel. It was built so that God could dwell there and the people could come to him there. It was to be a place of prayer, a place where you worship to God. And instead, the religious people of the day had turned it into this self-serving place where you could make money by buying and selling things for sacrifices. This sacred space, this beautiful structure, like the fig tree had stopped bearing fruit. And just as the fig tree withered, we see that in the story, the people didn't know, but Jesus knew that in a few short years, that temple would be utterly destroyed. It would be gone. The religious leaders of the day had allowed their most sacred space to become a self-serving den of robbers instead of a house of prayer, a place where fruit could be developed. So the question for us is, are our sacred spaces self-serving or fruit-producing? It's an important question. You come together as the church, the bride of Christ, When you come here, do you have a heart that is self-seeking or a heart that wants to be fruit-producing? Do you come here so you can see and be seen, so that people go, oh, look at you're doing so good, or thank you for being with the kids, or do you come here so that those children that you're serving learn to glorify and praise God? The other thing that's important for us as people who've accepted Christ as our Savior, 
With that means that the Spirit dwells in our lives and we become the temple of the Most High God. So whether we're here in this sacred space or whether we're on the aisle at Walmart, we take God with us. We take God's sacred spaces, whether we're in the church or whether we're outside the church. And when you think of those, are you seeing in your life the sign that you are self-seeking or are you seeing fruit? Galatians 5 tells us what it looks like if we are self-seeking, if we're people that have the attitude of how can the church serve me? How can the world take care of me? Or if we have the attitude of how can I, the church, serve? Galatians 5 says that looks like, that self-seeking looks like hatred, discord, jealousy, immorality, dissensions, factions. There's a lot of button heads over things that don't really matter when we're self-seeking. We want our own way. We want the seats to be blue instead of tan. We want this worship song instead of that worship song. We want things, good things to, you know, other people to bring good things into our lives as opposed to being fruit-producing. Galatians 5 also tells us what it looks like to have the fruit of the Spirit exhibited in our lives. That looks like this, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're seeing those things in your life, if you're seeing those things in your church, you can know that you're fruit producing. Oh, I know, it's not all the time. We're working on these things. I, I personally struggle with gentleness. I'm a, like, let's get it done. Run over whoever, get it done. I have to stop and pause and ask God to continue to work to help me be more gentle. I'm also not very patient. It kind of goes with not being gentle. We all have the, those parts of the fruit that, uh, that we're struggling with, but overall, we should see that fruit exhibited in our lives. James 2 talks about fruit as well. It talks about good deeds as the fruit of our faith. James 2 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. We're called to be these temples of the Holy Spirit, mobile temples, so that we don't just create sacred spaces when we come to church. We're mobile temples so that we can go out in our communities and create those sacred spaces, fruit-producing spaces. Jesus has more to say about this. Mark 12, 28, join me. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating 
Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Okay, I, for some reason, it never clicked to me that Jesus says this during Holy Week, on his way to the cross. This is what he says. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus heard that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Fruit producers, Jesus says, we show up to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we show up to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus puts an exclamation point on this in just the next verses. Verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts but a poor widow put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had. Fruit producers, we show up and we give everything, everything, all we have, not to get noticed, not because it feels good, not when it's convenient, not when you have extra. We show up like Jesus did and we give everything. Just in case you have formed some kind of romanticized notion of what it looked like to show up for my son and his girlfriend, let me share a couple of the personal details of that time with you. We picked them up in what they called their abando. An abando is some housing, a building that's been abandoned. Everything's been stripped out of it. There is no electricity. There's really no floors. The windows are boarded up. There's no light inside. There's no running water. There's no plumbing. It's basically four walls and dirt. They were very resourceful. My son is very resourceful, very savvy, and had figured out how to salvage things and put things together that they'd found on the streets. Lots of things, big pillows and propane tanks, all kinds of stuff. And they had very thoughtfully salvaged two big storage container things from somewhere, put all their stuff in there, and when we arrived at the Abando, they loaded it up into the SUV, and then they and their two dogs got into the SUV with us, and we started to drive away, and it was smelly, smelly like a dumpster. It was bad. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. 
And, and then, you know, uh, one of the reasons why my son was on the streets is he deals with some mental health challenges, especially high anxiety, his girlfriend too. And so this thought, while they were excited to be leaving their life, they'd never been to Nebraska before. They didn't know what it was going to be like there. Their emotions were up and down, and, and actually, I'm pretty sure, like many people, they had tried the night before to deal with their anxiety through substances. And I'm pretty sure that we were detoxing on the way from Las Vegas to Nevada. There were big emotions in the car. I'm like, remember being in the Rocky Mountains? Like, God, this is like being on the peaks, and then down in the canyons, and then the peaks, down in the canyons. There were big emotions in the car, and some of them were mine. I was having a hard time. I mean, really, we drove to the Abando and picked them up. I thought they'd be, like, nicer to us in the car. And, and times they were super nice, super thankful, fun to be with. And then we dived back down into the canyon, and they were not, especially my son. His girlfriend was actually pretty cool, but he was not nice to us. And I didn't like that. My husband, Bruce, though, he's really, really good at showing up and giving everything. I have a picture of him and our son. Bruce was calm through this whole time. He was patient. He was respectful of my son and his girlfriend. He, he would point out Dylan's strengths to him. He'd point out the smart, resourceful ways that Dylan handled things. And if Dylan was really headed in a good direction with his thinking, Bruce would like, wow, that's really smart of you. I can't believe you thought of that. I'd be like, really? I don't know. That doesn't seem that smart to me. I kept my mouth shut, <laughs> learning gentleness. My, my, son, my husband's really good. He, he let Dylan take the lead in his life. And, and then he would gently ask some good questions to maybe help him think broader. He was good at, at, at providing supports that were empowering and not enabling. That was something that we really prayed about and really struggled with. This car would be an example. So they'd been, you know, in Nebraska for a few weeks. They'd gotten jobs uh, wearing those nice new clothes that we got them cleaned up. And, like, we kind of thought they'd be saving their money, but instead they bought this car and another car for just a few hundred dollars each. I mean, these were cars on Facebook Marketplace. This one did not have a pink slip or a title. I'm like thinking, they're telling us, they're all excited, I'm like thinking, this is so stupid. But Bruce says, wow, you really found a car for that amount of money that runs this well and you've cleaned it up and it, it's looking really good. And, and then Bruce would say, you know, I, I, wonder, I wonder, would you like, us, like me to like help you figure out how to get a title for this car? It, it might need some repairs, should we work on that together? But always letting Dylan take the lead. I learned this past year that it is really hard to get back on your feet, much harder than I ever thought it was. For instance, you need an ID to get a job, but you need a car to drive to the DMV and get an ID, but you need a job so you can get a car. You need money for a place to live, but you need a place to live to get a job, to get the money. You need an address to apply for a job. Their DMV is in this rural part of Nebraska, is only open some days, and if the person is sick on the day it's supposed to be open, no one shows up there, like when you've gotten a ride and gotten there. I, 
I don't know really how they managed all the things that they managed. I'm in awe because I think I would have been like, I'm just done with this. But they didn't. They've had their ups and downs, lots of ups, lots of downs. But they had support. They had our support. They also had what we call our angels of Nebraska who gave them rides places. One lady even gave them little makeovers, like with their hair and clean, uh, just clean cut looking. It was really cool. At the same time, God in his divine providence was showing Project 127 where he wanted us to move into the future. He was bringing about this program that we call Families Care. Families Care is a program designed for families who really love their kids but are struggling to provide protection, to provide provision. Some of you went to training already. Anybody already been to training? All right. Thank you. Thanks. Families Care, um, families care really addresses this need for people who want to provide for their kids, who want to create safe spaces, but maybe, maybe they haven't had all they needed. It, and a lot of the things I learned from my husband as he was serving my son have been woven in to the values and the training. For instance, um, we really encourage our volunteers to be respectful, to focus on the parents' strengths, to let the parents take the lead. We really focus on providing really practical support like a meal or some groceries or help in fixing a car or figuring out the school system. And today, as we think about Jesus showing up for us, I want you to think a little bit about how it would look for you to show up for a family like this. In Project 127, we were based on the verse James 127. Pure and undefiled religion is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. This is Orphan Sunday, and you're like thinking, yeah, but those kids have parents. It's kind of a weird thing about this word orphan. If you're in child welfare, don't use it. The kids that come into child welfare, they have parents. And, and often, especially caseworkers, will find it offensive if you call those kids orphans because they have parents. But in the Bible, if we look at the definition of that word orphan, it means a child that needs the protection and provision of a family. And we began to think, what if we could take the kinds of supports that we work to have around our foster and adoptive families and work with churches to create groups of people who would provide those same supports to a family that's struggling, what would that look like? God's original plan for kids is to grow up with their biological parents, providing that protection and provision. And if we can support parents in doing that's redemption of that family. That allows those children to stay safely at home with their parents. Let's imagine you're Rob and Erica. You're young parents. You've got two younger kids. Rob came from a family where he never knew his dad. His, his mom struggled and worked and struggled, but Rob left school without a diploma. He got his GED. He works really hard, but he doesn't have the skills 
to really get a job that can help him provide a pretty safe place for his family. He's kind of discouraged about that. And his wife, Erica, she also grew up in a family that didn't model great parenting skills. She also has a lot of anxiety, and, and when things don't go well, her anxiety is raised, and she just really struggles to navigate day-to-day -day life. They've been told by the school that their oldest child may be on the autism spectrum, and Erica just can't handle that right now. They need a small group of church people to be extended family for them, to say, hey, uh, Rob, uh, I've heard about this apprentice program in welding where you actually get paid, um, and then actually you can develop and, and grow your skills and, and, and make really a living wage where you could provide a safer space for your family. Would you like some support in figuring out how to do that? Or, or maybe it's someone to come alongside Erica and say, you know what, I experience anxiety too. I, I know what it's like to feel like the world is just overwhelming you. Would you like to talk about some things that have helped me overcome anxiety? And maybe Rob says what we really need is to figure out what to do about school and our child. And, and maybe someone in that group knows a teacher who says, oh, I can, I can talk to you about how to safely go to the school and ask questions and seek services for your child. And all of that happens within the context of a relationship. A meal delivered, some time at the park, because you're not going in to do everything for Rob and Erica. You're coming in to be in relationship with them. You're showing up and bringing your mobile temple to make their home a sacred space. Family's care is a great way for you to show up and give. After the service, if you want more information, we've got a table back there. Some of you know Project 127 as an organization that works to make sure that there's a family waiting for every child, a great foster family, a great adoptive family. I know you know this because you, Timberline Windsor, are amazing at the way you support foster and adoptive families and the kids that they serve. You provide respite events. You provide space for training. You're hosting Hope for the Journey where those families will come and get encouragement and, and build their skills. You have your very own foster family recruiter, Christy DeAnda, here in your congregation. Do you know that serving as a foster parent is an incredible opportunity to show up and give? Your mobile temple can be right there at your kitchen table and create a sacred space where a teenage boy and his third grade sister can hear for the first time that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who has a plan for their lives. They can learn that they are enormously loved and valued by you, their foster adoptive parents, and by God. Your mobile temple can make your kitchen table a sacred space where those children get to learn more about Jesus. It's Orphan Sunday. It's the weekend that we stop and we consider how we can show up to ensure that vulnerable children and families have what they need to be successful, that vulnerable children and families get to experience the love of the Most High God. 
Where are your sacred fruit producing spaces? Where will you show up? My dad is the third man in my life. Talked about my son, my husband. My dad, he was really good at showing up. Have a picture of him at his desk. He was really good with finances. And so he would often show up for widows and help them with their finances so that they could have that safety and security as they moved on through the, the end of their life um, with a good financial future. He'd help young families kind of establish themselves and figure out how to budget. He was just good at it, and, and he would show up for people to do this. For me, though, there's a story about when my dad showed up that I will never forget. I was a young mama, four kids. Um, we were getting ready to do something that night, and my eight-year-old was out in the backyard, and somehow she tripped over a picnic bench, and she broke her arm. And when the doctor, when I called, the doctor said, how do you know her arm's broken? I'm like, well, the bone is sticking out right at her elbow. And he said, okay, you need to mobilize that arm. So remember, this is a screaming in pain, eight-year-old. So got the other kids settled. My mom came over to watch them, put the screaming eight-year-old and I. We got in the car, drove to the emergency room, and we got there. We did not wait. They said, oh my gosh, we've got to get her in here. There's a big risk of infection with this kind of thing, and we don't want her to lose her arm. She's screaming louder. <laughs> She's in so much pain. They said, we're calling an orthopedic surgeon. The orthopedic surgeon comes in and says, she's got to have surgery right away. There's a big danger with infection, with this kind of break. This needs to happen right away. Next thing I know, the anesthesiologist has come in. The child has stopped screaming because she's now unconscious. And they're telling me, we're going to take her to the operating room. You can step down the hall and wait until she's ready. And I stepped into that hall. And I had nothing left. I, I was scared for my daughter. I didn't know what to do. I was exhausted. I didn't really even think I could get down the hall. And the door opens at the end of the hall, and my dad steps in, just opens his arms wide. He walks towards me, and he just envelops me in his love. I'm here. You don't have to worry. We're going to pray together. She's going to be fine. My dad showed up. Now, not all of you have a dad like mine. I realize that I am singularly blessed in my dad. But you all have a savior, Jesus. And this week, we celebrate the fact that Jesus showed up on the cross and spread his arms out wide to welcome you, to say to you, I am here. For some of you this morning, you need to know in your heart that verse, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not wither like that fig tree and die, but have everlasting life. For some of you this morning, the sacred place you need to show up in is in the arms of Jesus. Step into the arms of Jesus and say, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to love you with my whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the sacred place for you this morning. 
For others of you, you may be at the end of yourself. It may be that you have a prodigal son or daughter, or maybe it's your body that just feels worn out, or maybe there's uncertainty in your job, and you're just like, I, I want to show up for someone else, but I'm just at the end of myself. I just want to encourage you this morning that when we pray together, show up and allow Jesus to embrace you in his arms. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus showed up for you. But many of you this morning need to take those mobile temples that are filled with God's spirit out of this place and show up for someone else. Maybe a vulnerable family, maybe vulnerable children. Some of you need to consider being part of family's care, being a volunteer who shows up and helps a family fulfill God's original plan for their children to protect and provide for those children. You need to show up so those children don't have to be separated from their parents and be in foster care. And some of you, some of you may be feeling God tapping your shoulder and saying, there are children in your community, teenagers and grade schoolers and littles that need a great foster family, someone whose mobile tempo can plant itself at the kitchen table and create a space, a sacred space, where that child can know that they are loved and cared for and safe. As we pray today, I want you to ask God to show you where you need to show up today. Let's pray together. Father, First of all, thank you for loving us so much that you sent his son, your son, Jesus, who came here and opened his arms wide on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. We don't have to wither and die. And I pray for those who are here, Lord, that haven't turned to you as their Lord and Savior, that today they would show up in your arms and say, I accept you as my Savior. I want to love you with my whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. And for Father, for those who are here today that are just at their end, they don't know where else to turn, I pray, Lord, that they would take a few moments this morning and show up again in the embrace of your arms to be comforted, to find hope. And Father, some of us need to show up. We need to move our mobile temples outside the walls of these churches and show up for vulnerable children, vulnerable families, for those in our community that don't know you don't know your love. Father, give us the courage today to turn to you, to allow you to fill us, and then to allow your love and hope to flow out of us into the world around us. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for giving us opportunities to show up. Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.